What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Boyce, and you're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest, repeat guest, my man, Brian J. Lambert. Outside of the mythology of Nightfall and Justice, we are here with Wingless Comics to talk about his newest project, Air Force Ones. As you can see on Thank you for having me, bro. For sure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Uh, One, I say it every time, I appreciate being on here. This is my favorite podcast to do. A favorite host, all right. Uh, always, you know, Grandmaster Facts, you know, James Boyce, the man, the myth, the legend. So, again, man, you know, I appreciate being here, bro. I love it. Oh, man. Look, look, man, I, I appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? The, the the biggest thing that I think um is that, you know, we've we've had numerous talks about the world of comics, and it's always good to just not even be subjective and to pretty much having an open mind towards the things that you create and what we see around the world of comics. So that's always been like a good thing, even if I'm on the outside looking in. <laughs> Which, you know, to be fair, man, and like you said, we've had a lot of conversations. So we've had some behind the scenes conversations. You don't, in my opinion, necessarily need to be on the outside in, man. I've read some of your stuff and it needs to happen, bro. However, that takes shape. And I don't say that to many people. You know that. I'll be like, no, you can just keep that to yourself. Uh, But uh, I think that yours, I think you've got a very distinct vision from what I read. Um, And I liked where you were headed. You know what I mean? Like I could could see, I love to read scripts because I'm more of obviously a reader and a writer. Um, So if I can see and paint that picture in my own head, man, I want to see people do that. Uh, And so, like I said, yours was very, very visual and visceral. So I, I mean, again, off subject. But I'm gonna keep advocating for it, man. I want to see that somewhere in some form or fashion. <laughs> oh man, I appreciate that. But to get right into it and talk about Air Force Ones, I remember a distinct uh podcast that we did where we were talking about justice and we were talking about other genres that you wanted to take hold. And one happened to be not essentially what you put in this summary, where you talk about how this is basically uh Gundam meets a different world, but you brought up Robotech. Mm-hmm. And I yes. was like, okay, kind of on the right track. So, you know, so, um, okay, so let me say Air Force One's in its current incarnation is like a little bit different than some things I envisioned, right? But my first mech story, mm-hmm. uh, was it was an homage to Robotech, right? Like it, it was, it was not even just an homage, man. It was like, I felt like it was like my pitch to yeah. like, man, if I do this really well then they'll let me write a Robotech movie. My dream has been like a dream, the dream project for me, right? Like the thing that like, if I get to do it, I can be out the game and be happy. I've always wanted to to do a Robotech Macross quadrilogy, right? It's got to be done in four movies because Macross is 36 episodes. Mm -hmm. So you can do nine episodes worth of content per movie and it actually breaks up perfectly. Like I already did it in my head. I got the soundtracks, like the whole deal, right? So that was always like, I, I that again that would if I get that right like again we can we can cash it all in at that point I don't have to do anything else creative on a mass scale that would be the thing um and so I started writing a a, a thing a, a few years ago quite a few years ago called Rubicon and it was mechs and it was again it was my homage it was my way yeah. of getting in there kind of um and as I've grown and obviously I'm still a huge fan of Robotech and, and Macross and and Macro Zero and all these not things. That, not to interrupt, but as long as you keep the ass whoopings to the soundtrack of smooth jazz, it's gonna be okay. Bro, bro, <laughs> right, right. Man, I, some people haven't seen like Macross Do You Remember Love, right? Which is the shortened version of the whole deal. But like Rick and Max and Roy 
just destroying stuff and you got the saxophone in the back and then they like right 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 singing a love song i choose you you're like wait at least the vietnam soundtracks is like war right like that comes right. up and you're like oh okay got it right but yeah 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 fortunate son yeah nah she's talking about love uh but but also i love I, I love that about i was on a recent panel i love that about anime their musical cues take themselves far more seriously it's true than american musical cues in movies like uh american animation most of the time is especially in movies it's going to be some form of musical or whatever and anime also lends itself to that but the right. way they handle the musicals and the musical cues is different so that's something i've always like love that cinematic like there's a movie out called bell and it's literally it's that same it's that same kind of robotech yeah. music style right yep but it's again this dude this beast is dem- Polishing people as they have this like lovely soundtrack playing you know what i mean so uh, yeah, neon I, genesis does that like right now oh yeah like it's 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 just i love it right like i i don't ever want to get away from that uh so when i started doing air force ones when i got the idea i was like man this is perfect right because it was a way for me to do all my robotech sensibilities to lean into some of the socio-political aspects of gundam and different things um and there are certain little touches that gundam did that robotech Macross did it, but Robotech didn't, right? right. Um, so even to the point of where when you see there are mobile suits everywhere. So mm-hmm. in our world, there are gears everywhere, right? Like people just use them in normal everyday life um, and obviously in the military. But when yeah. you see a Gundam for the first time in whatever series it is, some characters like Gundam? And it's a question. Yeah. They know it's like, oh, it's, it's that moment of like, oh, damn, we got a Gundam in here? Like, yeah, it's crazy, right? And so I wanted that same thing. So when I was creating it, it was like mad gear? Like, I want that, right? Somebody's going to say that line that's with the same gravity. Um, and so it's those little touches that I was able to kind of glean from Gundam and, again, match my love of Robotech so that we can get this kind of far-reaching story going without ripping off either one, right? Because a mobile suit and a big robot is great. Robotech is very specific in Veritech. Well, the one I come from, right? I'm, I'm talking about just the Macross saga. Um, you got transforming Veritech, transforming planes. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do transforming cars or tanks, right? Right. Because uh, then you lend yourself to transformers and some other things. But I feel like if you do uh, doing robots, right, doing giant robots, fighting robots, and having a very cultural, black cultural aesthetic to the sound, the look, and the mood, yeah, was something that was necessary and something that I wanted to see personally. Dope. Now, talk about this because you you're bringing up two factions. You're bringing up Lower Earth and the floating islands of Elysia in correspondence with their conflict with the Exodus War. Mm-hmm. The floating islands of Elysia, I was thinking of the comparisons. I was like, okay, Pandora, Avatar, Avatar, Utopia from the X-Men, the floating uh, meteor, New Asgard. But then mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. Neil Blomkamp, Elysium. Right, right. And it's funny that Very- they're called Elysia. <laughs> Right. No, very, very well. One, if I would act like I had, oh, I've never seen that movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like, that's <laughs> stupid. Of course. Of course. And I loved it. Right. And I also feel like it was very poignant in terms of when we're talking about these things. Right. We're talking about sociopolitical matters. Um, yeah. If the one percent could raise islands right now. Right. Yeah. And islands, these islands floated over the poor people. They 100 percent would and they would 100 percent get all their people up there. Uh-huh. Right. Like that's a, a, a real a sentiment and fact right like so yeah. that's like the um, elon 
preparing the spaceships to get everybody to Mars, leaving all those broke motherfuckers down here. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so it just made a lot of sense. And I know that they use there's a lot of mech kind of influence stuff in Elysium. Um, but also Alicia, in terms of mythology, what it represents, right? The promised land and all these good things and, yeah. you know, heaven on earth and blah, 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 blah. So I thought that was important. And I also think that it's a, um, there's a mythological base that I feel like is important, right? Yeah. Because especially in, in our common society, some of these mythologies are raised above others, right? Yeah. You talk about Norse mythology and they're like, oh, it's great. Or even Egyptian mythology. And it they get these levels that are a little bit higher Greek mythology. And you're going to see some of that play into yeah, even how the names, the mechs are named uh, and how, again, yep. Alicia is comprised of all these other things. So there is, again, there was a, a very big cultural um, introspection piece for me yeah, uh, in terms of how I'm playing the duality of what's good, what's bad, how, how things are perceived, right? Like, again, Alicia is, it's, it's, it's heaven on earth. So it's got to be great, right? Right. Or is it right? Like, what's it, the next it, step? What's the next how, thing? Yeah, it's funny how all these uh, heaven on earth utopia type places always have like the most fearsome army you've ever seen in your life. Right. Like right, right. 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 It's it, so it's impossible. Humans are humans, man. So mm -hmm. you give someone peace or, or prosperity or whatever you want to call it. That's never good enough because it's not really gained. It's not really earned. If you're saying, hey, I'm going to give you this utopian society, a utopian society comes with rules, right? And yeah. so people, at one point or another, I love Demolition Man for that, right? Like, oh, yeah. at one point or another, people are not going to want to follow those rules. People are not going to want to do this thing. Um, and so I think the duality of a utopian society is very engaging. And I think it's very engaging based upon a utopian society that is oppressing another society, which has historically been the case, right? You, England... When they, you know what I mean? Like the Huns, like all and on and on. From, Every from, empire from, fell. Right, right. And and it's and when you're in it or, or when it's part of it, oh, it's the greatest place ever. It's, have, oh, we want to, again, we want to be, everybody wanted to be a Roman. Everybody wanted to be Greek, right? But in order to be those places, they had to kill a bunch of people. They had to do a yeah. bunch of stuff and they had to keep a bunch of people down. Um, And no one's excluded from that. No empire is excluded from that. So I think it's, uh, it's fun. It's fun to play with. It's fun to kind of toy with what we hold as, as something that's dope again yeah. we look back and especially in modern black culture right you have a lot of people that love egyptian mythology myself included right because we feel like a sort of a connection to it we get you know talked about it a lot but even egypt and and, and what it did it was a bunch of people Brutal. died man <laughs> yeah like it was harsh so but we still uphold that like later on in life so um again i love i love playing with that right and i'm playing with with it in a sense of, of being outside of it, right? I'm not doing a historical fiction. I'm yeah. doing something that doesn't necessarily exist. This is true. Outside of what I'm, what I'm creating. Yeah, definitely. And and I'm looking at it, of course, with the 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 correspondence of Gundam, of course, is the one thing that stands out. When the first when the people like see this for the very first time, it's like, okay, Gundams, mechs, that looks awesome on film. But you also provide this mm -hmm. different aspect and be like, okay, a different world. Yeah. Black American culture. West, meets west coast culture yeah what does that fit in so uh there are a couple things and again this is without spoilers right um mm -hmm. so if you read through uh the kickstarter you'll see that like uh our, our main heroes are from like the seventh ward right so in in my mind you have elysium that's up top and then the world gets broken into wards right 
Yep. Uh, not unlike Gundam, where they have, you know, their their specific little places, right? Dort 1 right. and Dort 11 or whatever. Same kind of concept. Um, and so the wards. So, again, I'm a very West Coast guy. So there's going to be a time, you have to imagine there's going to be a time where they have to venture out of their ward. So mm-hmm. what happens then? They go to Ward 9. Hey, we don't like 7th Ward. It's over here, bro. You know what I mean? Like, so where are you from? Hey, we 7th Ward. You know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of those little... Right, uh, nuanced parts, and and when I uh, two things happened that were really really influential in this. As I was getting really the ideas going and really getting the story going, the uh, handshake was really important to me, right? And so it came to me one day. I was like, "Hey, man, if they do the handshake, that's fire, right? Like it's surreal. Like again, that's a black cultural thing. We do this, right? We've been doing this for however long." And so I got a buddy from, I got a buddy from New Orleans, and obviously I got my people from like L.A., right? And so. One of my buddies, I met my buddy from New Orleans when I was getting the animation done, right? So I was like, hey, man, I need you to do this handshake with me to like, so we can take pictures of it. And I realized that the way you shake hands from a New Orleans dude is different from an LA dude. It's the same motions, right? But it's not the same flow. So when I, so we took the pictures and it looked good, right? But like the flow was off. Like if I filmed it, the flow was, was off. Yeah. So I was like, maybe a week later, my buddy from Cali, we met up just on some regular stuff. And I told, all I did was tell him, hey man, the handshake, it looks like this, right? And as we go, he was like, oh, let's try it. Like, I want, he was like, I want to do it, right? He was hyped up about it. Okay, cool. So we did it and it flowed because we both Cali dudes, you know what I mean? We mm-hmm. both LA dudes. And so it's like, uh, it, it's just those little nuanced parts. It's like, um, it's like when somebody comes out, you get an Aquafina or somebody who's got a black scent, right? Uh-huh. And it sounds... It sounds like not your average black person, but it's the black scent all sounds the same from a bunch of different people, right? Oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, it's because I grew around black people in, in New right. York. But why does the New York one sound like the Atlanta one sound like the LA one? What I delved into was the nuance and the difference between black culture across the nation, right? Regionally. That's language. That's yeah. flow. That's word usage. We all understand each other, right? Yep. But it's, again, it really is a bunch of different dialects. From a bunch of different places and a bunch of different movements that are, can all coalesce and we can all get along, but it's different. And so I wanted to uh, this to be, in, in some levels, intrinsically L.A., right? Intrinsically Southern California, as well as being Black. Um, down to one of the first places you see Nas is the Coliseum. Yeah, it's it's destroyed, but the L.A. Coliseum is it's the L.A. Coliseum. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so, that that kind of stuff to me. Um, it, it's important and it's important so that people know that we're not a monolith, right? Like we are black Americans, right? Like that's one thing, mm-hmm. but we have different minds within that. We have different movements within that. I can't go and step again. I can't, I can't show up at Fat Tuesday and step like somebody from New Orleans. I may do my version, right? But it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Somebody who sea walks and they from LA is, they, it's a different sea walk than New York. It's a different sea walk than Atlanta. It's a different, you know what I mean? Then Chicago, yeah. wherever. Um, so I think those little things are important and they just add to the story and to the characters and to to the overall world, which I think is also another important part of building. Uh, I've gone from wanting to see myself in a fantasy world to building fantasy worlds that are based on our culture, right. based on my culture. Right. I don't I don't need to just transplant myself into Tolkien's world. I will. Don't get it twisted because I love that, too. Of course. But when we're talking about building something new, I want to build something that's based around our culture, my culture, and other people have to come to it, right? They have to come to understand. I get to open the door to say, hey, this is a piece. Or hey, no, you're not, you're not welcome to this piece. 
your level of understanding, your level of immersion in my culture does not prepare you to understand this specific thing. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're looking at the the characters that you basically created for this, whether it was Nas, Maui, Sky, uh, the commander, Admiral Kane, uh, they all have gone through an immense amount of conflict. And you can visibly see what conflict has done to them. You know, like, uh, was it Nas lost an arm? Uh, Maui, yeah. of course, has gone through the shit that he went through because he lost a brother. Uh, Sky was basically being protected uh, to the point where, you know, her her brother basically has... It, the reason he lost his arm is because he was protecting her. And yeah. so, like, you, you talk about this one series inside of the entire book called The Pantheon Games. But you don't talk mm -hmm. about what happened there. You talk about basically the visible scars of what happened due to that conflict. I mean, is there any may was that the precursor to all of this? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, not directly, and yes, directly. There have been a number of things since the Exodus War that have happened, right? But their hallmark moment is the Pantheon Games, right? Like their hallmark moment of like going from yeah, we're poor and this society sucks to war is hell, you know, um, and and really understanding it on a on a personal and visceral level uh, which changes everything the commander and admiral kane are slightly different because they grew up in the war machine they're part of the war machine mm -hmm. uh but nas maui and and sky it's it hits home right like that's when no one is safe and yeah they still have to regardless of all that they've still got to carry on they've still got to do things and so the pantheon games uh attack is really it depends on it's one of those perception things for me. And right. I want to do that. I want to hit that duality because if you're from Alicia, that's a, a military action, right? That they needed to do in order to preserve peace. But mm -hmm. if you're on lower earth, that's a terrorist act from an oppressive government, right? And so I right. think that those things are important um, when we look at uh, modern day takes on superheroes, on genres, on sci-fi, whatever it is, right? Because you get things where like people, people, you know, the the thin blue line and all these other things, right? Protect the blue and blah, blah, blah. So that means in Star Wars, you would have been an Imperial, yeah. right? But like you, that same person goes around as like, oh, I love the Rebellion and Luke Skywalker. Well, those are the, you see how, you know, you, and, yeah. and sometimes people don't get it. Like they're technically terrorists, but they're not, right? Because right. we're looking at it a certain way and they're freedom fighters and they freed everybody. But the installed legal lawful government is what they overthrew to do that so again who's right um and i think that we get into a lot of that gray area of perception being the thing you know again one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist and that has far-reaching um like consequences um and i think that there are a lot of ideas that we can explore within that uh, mm -hmm. there are again there's a whole section of, of the world or people that would say the blm protests there's another section that'll call them the, the riots, the BLM riots, right? There's a whole section of people that say the insurrection on January 6th. And then the other people are like, it's, it wasn't an insurrection. It was just us hanging out, like, which is bullshit, but okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a reason you guys got arrested. I ain't never broke a window just hanging out. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. If the Secret Service tells you don't break that window, don't come through, and then you get shot coming through, you're not a hero. No. You're not a martyr. You're a criminal. Yeah, guys, that's how it works. But yeah, again, it's one of those things, right? People care more about the targets that got broke into. That target said, "We don't care about them damn targets." Yeah. Then 
than people breaking into the Capitol building. Like, mm-hmm. come on now. <laughs> and, and even from the aspect, all right, I I wanted to find out because you know you talk about the seven four and you talk about the poverty uh, that that basically they face, and you even brought up Star Wars where the 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 Empire's industrial complex, of course, is funded funded everything that they build. So their ships, their weapons, uh, their weaponizing systems, their propaganda, so on and so forth. The lower Earth having the ability to have mechs, to have Gundams at their whim. Where does this all come from? Because everybody always had that that notation of in Star Wars. We're like, how did the Rebels build all this shit? Yeah. So, um, okay, none of this is spoiled. I had to think, like, am I going to spoil something? But I say in there that they stumble across the mechs, and they literally do, right? So uh-huh. um, they're also, I say in there that the Exodus War, the end of the Exodus War, is kind of shrouded in mystery, right? Like, no one who's living now really knows what happened at the end of the Exodus War. They mm-hmm. just know that Alicia won. Uh, so that being the case, like I said, they stumble upon these these legendary Mad Gear. So they're on Earth. Does that mean that they are... If you look through the pages, there's a page where um, you see the Yasuke for the first time. Yeah. Even on the, the pages there, right? Um, and it's got some battle damage on there and on and on and on. So these are relics. That's why they're legendary Magir. They're not new and they're not something that's like necessarily like in function at the moment. Mm-hmm. And they're certainly not um, lower earth's gear that they use in order for construction or whatever else. They're not military grade. This is the first time in however long uh, that lower earth gets to see something that's military grade. And that changes the dynamic. There's also a line in there. I'm not sure if you caught it or and I, uh, there are a couple of people who have asked me cause they didn't catch it. Uh, where they start using the strike model gears uh alicia goes away from the legendary mad gear and goes into the strike model which is faster to produce smaller but effective right numbers over quality quantity over quality uh and so again some of those dynamics is what makes for an interesting kind of dichotomy and an interesting um segue into the war into a new version of this war Yep. And and even also from that aspect, I mean, aside, just just aside, you could tell your inspiration and a lot of people's inspiration for the way you name the Gundams. Of course, Yasuke, yeah. Ogun, uh, Katsuni, yeah. you know, this is this is what we grew up on. So right. the, the fact that you were able to name these mechs and 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 for those to be caught out there, of course, the commander has uh, Gilgamesh, which is the God killer. And I was like, oh, yeah. see now. Oh man, it's, yo, these inspirational influences, whether it's been anything throughout popular culture and how we've been able to uh tw- not not necessarily twist the story or manipulate the story, but create it within ourselves and what we grew up on and how we grew up. You know, this was stable popular culture with us back in the 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s, and everything like that. So I, I can imagine how your how your head started spinning creating this 70 70- plus page novel yeah you know it was actually pretty awesome like uh so even the commander himself has gone through well his mech has gone through a couple name changes right and you try mm-hmm. to get the thing that fits the most because at first he was like the kratos right mm-hmm. obvious right the god killer yeah. but then i was like it, it that's too close right like i'm literally just pilfering something right and uh i love mythology and I think that there are, again, like I said, there are a lot of mytho- mythological like pantheons that yeah. don't get the props that like, man, this story is dope. Like if you read the story of Gilgamesh, it's it's crazy. 
but it's Bro, fun. Even, in, awesome. even in the Eternals, like the, the Gilgamesh right. the Eternals is nuts. Yeah, right, right. And so there are a lot of times where they just kind of get shied over and stuff. And it, look, that doesn't mean that that there's not going to be a Zeus and an Anubis and uh, an Odin or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. because these are all great mythologies, but I wanted to kind of do some different things. And they all have, they have their name and then they have their like moniker after that, right? Like it's right. the Yasuke and then it's like, you know, the Black Wolf. There's going to be a reason, right? Like yeah. there's a little bit more that I'm adding to each, you know, little piece. Um, I also think, and this is a very true sentiment, I had really, really high hopes for the Yasuke uh, anime that came out a couple years ago. Same. And um, it it did not deliver on any of those hopes for the reason that it was just a journey into the West again. Yeah. The story was just journey into the West and not that I don't like it, but I had just seen it a bunch of different times. Um, and I just think that, 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 you know, the romance of the three kingdoms stuff, bro, they've been making games on that for 20 years, the same game over and over and over again. Just, right. And it's just great every single time. A black last samurai. That's what you made. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't even, I like last samurai better. Don't get me started. You know, oh. I just, I just, look you have the super powered child that we don't know why and then that's the thing that you got to protect in order to do some stuff and just in 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 okay i thought one part was very 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 insane to me uh people didn't like that there were mechs in there i didn't care i thought it was cool i love mechs throw a mech in anything what i hated though was that they saw this lady turn into like did she turn into a bear i think she transmogged into a bear but then when he showed up because he had black skin they were like black man what i was like bro she turned into a bear this transformers turn into out here. Bears. yeah right like that's not surprising but a dude with black skin is surprised like so it it, it just it, it, i don't want to say i want to correct that because those are those are choices that people make and, and that's to me that's fine you got to do what you got to do that was like um, the first episode by i just <laughs> bro i was so out of it by then like i was so outdone yeah. Um. But I wanted to do something that kind of I don't know talked about that legacy. Talked about that. Amer- Again, this this is Yasuke is not a, a mythological character. He's like a dude that really existed. That's a real. So person. if people, right? If people dive into that lore and dive into his story because they look up the name or something, I think that that's dope. Also, it's a dope way for me to tell you off the rip. I don't have to do a bunch of building. This dude is in the Yasuke. You know he's going to be a problem. That's it. <laughs> I don't have to do much more than that everybody knows kitsune everybody knows the nine tails at this point again that's a really dope piece of mythology um people are starting to get on ogun right and, and some of the yoruba mythology and some of the yoruba uh, gods and stuff um so again i think that's just a very easy kind of segue and something that we've seen in a lot of anime where they have these names and these things and it's not until you go back and look it up and you're like oh oh that had more significance yep than what i thought um, and so, you know, it wasn't until I was watching like Fire Force and Naruto at the same time. And I see they had the same names and I was like, this means something. Right. Let me go look it up. And then I got the deeper meanings. Um, and so, uh, again, that's just been I want to create that same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been talking really a lot about cultural exchange. And I think in a lot of levels, in a lot of ways, Black American culture gets kind of siphoned. Yeah. Um, and we don't nececessarily siphon it in the other shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we don't we don't get that back, right? Like we can have Samurai Shampoo or we can have Cowboy Bebop, again, jazz, yep. you know, Robotech, like we're talking about, even the, even though it's like it was like that Asian 80s jazz that was still taken from American jazz, which is black people. 
right? Um, and transplanted and, and they get to do that. And we haven't necessarily done the same in terms of, okay, I want to take anime, but I want to base it on my culture. So then again, you have to come over here to understand as mm-hmm. opposed to me always going over there to understand. Right, right. Um, and you even provided, yeah, you even provided a wild card, by the way, because the last, I guess the character that kind of like brings everything together, Princess Bahati. Yes, yes. And so, uh, again, I, it's not spoilerific, but if you've watched any Gundam series, any Gundam series, mm-hmm. it's about it's about one guy on the good guy side that's a dope ass pilot, right? Yep. It's about another guy on the bad guy side that's also a dope ass pilot, but he's got some issues, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you know what they are, but he's got some issues. Okay, you have a princess that somehow goes missing or is not in the place that she's supposed to be. This is true. Which links up to that first guy. She's he's got to do something. Doing some right, rogue right. mission. Right, right, right. He's got his best friend that's always got his back and is like, we shouldn't be doing this, but I, you know, I got you. I got, I got and you. You got the you got the background of a war, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and what is war, right? War is old men sending young men to their death. So then you got Admiral Kane. And like you said, all of this stuff wraps itself um into itself. And I also think that those are story mecha- story mechanics that are important to the genre, mm-hmm. to the mech anime mech manga genre i think that those people call people will call them tropes right but i feel like it's only a trope if you do it incorrectly i think that those are story mechanics that are important to these stories and you can again you can explore socioeconomic you can explore political you can explore um child soldiers and all these other things using those mechanics so i wanted to make sure that i paid the respect to what's come before me right i paid the respect look minmay is a princess too yeah. No, she's not called the princess, but come on now. Anybody who's watched Matt Cross or watched Robotech, she's the princess character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ends up with Lisa, right? But that's the, the again, the archetype is there, right. right? You still have the old and the new, and you, you Chiron and Rick, those are the two. Chiron's got problems. Mm-hmm. Rick is the badass pilot, right? Yep. Roy, you know what I mean? So you have all of those things. Um, and so I think it, it was important for me to use those mechanics to tell a story that's new and fresh and from a perspective it hasn't been. I see a lot of anime and a lot of more manga from black creators, right? You do. And it really is just the palette swaps uh, sometimes, a lot of times. The story mechanics aren't there. Like, it means they've watched it and they've, they've seen a lot of things. But I wasn't going to name my black character that's supposed to be from Lower Earth. He's not going to be called, you know, Toshinori. It doesn't make sense, right? It, it, it's, not, it's not culturally relevant. It, it, it's not a story I can tell. That's someone else's story to tell. Mm-hmm. So you, again, you can take those mechanics and make it intrinsically yours. And that's the part I wanted to do. I don't, there's no one who can come in and say, even just from the Kickstarter, even just from the preview images we've seen, there's no one that could come in and be like, oh, that's just a, this is the palette swap. That's just, you just race bent. Yeah. Rick Hunter, you just race bent, you know, Amaro, Ray. No, no. 100%. Like, is it, is it the same genre as, as both of those? Yes. But is it its own stories? Is, is it its own living, breathing history and, and character development and all of that stuff? Yeah, 100%. Or, and that's important to me. That being around from when you started Nightfall, started Justice, uh, had the intricacies to, of course, uh, embolden a lot of your other creators to pick up her. And, you know, like just doing what you're doing. This has to be the most intricate Kickstarter because the show is showcasing, of course, you spent a portion of a maybe around like five years, five, six years, putting together a universe within Nightfall and the beginning of Wingless Comics. And then mm-hmm. it's always good 
especially from a reader standpoint, from an author standpoint, be like, okay, I know he can do that. I know he or she can do that. But necessarily, it's okay to be like, what else can they do? So this is like this is this of course take it you you still have elements of mythology in it which I know that you can write some, you know like in in into the ether you know so Appreciate you, so bro. so when you come up with something like this and it's almost like the dynamic of it because I I know that you it's been it's been a year <laughs> you know you've been you've been out for a while so I realize now that you've taken grasp on the lore and have showcased that now. Like you're ready for bigger acts. So not only are you taking in, into accord that, yeah, I have a 70 page graphic novel, but I also, even though I've dabbled with animation before in the past, I'm going to give you an animation with this. Yeah. So, um, man, so we released or, well, we ran the Kickstarter for justice kind of late last year. Yeah. Oh no, around the same time we did May. Right. But man, we had so many production delays and this is the reality of it, right? Like this is the behind the scenes mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and it's cool. Look, I do justice once a year, every year. We were thinking about doing twice a year, but again, because of projects like this, that yep. I don't know that it's going to be feasible, right? Until I have my own complete, complete underwritten publishing house. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so as as we, the idea came around the same time that I was launching Justice, or a little bit before. So I had to sit on it for a long time. I had to sit on it for about six months uh, before I could release anything. Uh, last year in November, teaser images and what's going to happen and what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, and I am fortunate, also maybe crazy or maybe ambitious, and that I'm able to continue to write Justice. Justice number five is right around the corner. Justice number five slash Caliburn number two is still hitting in May. Uh, yeah. We're still working on that. We still got the the art is actually coming back from Fabio. I got two pieces yesterday. So that train doesn't stop. Um, in addition to the editing and other things I do, the publishing part of it. That's the business side of it. The creative side of it is I like to be able to stretch my creative muscles. And I mean that in terms of why be independent if I only do what somebody else tells me I could do, mm -hmm. right? Like why be independent if I can't say, I do want to see this animated. So I'm going to either save up the money or I'm going to generate the money to work with this animator who I've admired for X amount of time, yep. right? And we're going to get something going here. I'm going to work with this, you know, this toy guy that I've known for X amount of time and we're going to get this stuff articulated. Uh, I feel like the sky's the limit in a lot of ways and, and we need to work in a fashion that shows that. And that's what I want to do. I do think that it's folly for writers, creators sometimes to go in. I got to, we've talked about it before. I got a hundred characters in my universe and a thousand difference. No one cares, right? No one cares when you first mm -hmm. come out. Um, they want to see the one thing and they, they want it to be really good. And they want you to grow up on that, right? Okay. Um, and I feel like if you can do that and be successful generating money, because you need to generate money in order to continue to do things, if you can be successful and generate money doing that, then you need to be able to do it on the other side as well, right? Be successful with your next project mm -hmm. and generate the money. Um, and that's what this is, right? This is a passion project for me. But if it hadn't funded, it wouldn't have funded. I mean, it's me, so I still would have put it out at some mm -hmm. point, right? But it, it wouldn't be the same. Um, and so again, I'm fortunate that we now, but what's going to launch, we're going to have the Wingless Gold label, which is mm -hmm. our Nightfall, Justice, Her, Immortalis, like all of that, right? Like that's the gold label. That's our original American comics. Then you have the black. And the black label is going to be the manga stuff, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's that's the 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 next kind of piece. That's the next uh, 
evolution of how we're going to put this material out. Um, for the moment, I see, I see Air Force Ones being maybe four volumes. Um, okay. Obviously, the gr volumes will grow in size. Um, I think seventy pages will probably probably be the shortest of the volumes. Um, but I have a kind of a four part story. Like I said, it's it's really based on my idea and my pitch and what I wanted to do for Robotech being a four you know movie series and and so yep. um I'm able to again through support from people like you right through support and I mean that in like the general like the genuine way of like if I'm not on podcasts if, if you're not interested then other people aren't interested mm -hmm. if if these things don't happen I wouldn't be able to do what I do but I'm fortunate enough to have that I'm fortunate enough to come on here and you and I have a good conversation of you didn't just come in like hey what's Air Force Ones I'm like well, it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like I'm fortunate enough to be able to like have this back and forth and talk character and talk what we're doing and it gets people engaged. And so that is a huge part of it. That's a huge part of, of everything that goes into creating these things. Um, and I just don't want to be, look, like I said, I love justice and I love Caliburn and I love all of the wingless gold label characters and properties. Otherwise I wouldn't work with them. That doesn't mean that I don't have other loves, right? Like I, 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 I've wanted to do a robot story all my life. So here's my chance. Right. Um, and there are going to be others. Uh, this is not going to be the only wingless black label title. I have at least two more coming um, in the, in the, in the, in the near future. And I mean, I don't have to be coy about them. Um, black power Rangers, man, you'll see a black Sentai uh, manga hey, coming from me. Sometimes I figured so. that if you were going in the Gundam, you were going to do Takahatsu type still type stuff next. I feel like, I feel like if you love one, you love the other nine times out of Ooh. 10. Right. And so at least a one shot, at least, you know what I mean? To get one good story out. Um, and I have another one that I will kind of keep under wraps, but that one's going to be, you know, yeah, again, man, I, I just like kind of twisting the genres. Right. I like mixing, you know, athletics with mysticism and, you know, again, Gundams with music. Right. Yeah. Um, and those kinds of things. And, and so uh, again, as we push forward, I think that, as black creativity, right? Let me say, let me say this correctly as black American creativity, because black creativity can encompass so many things Oh yeah, and it is so vast. Right. But I mean, specifically in this niche as black American creativity kind of proliferates the market and proliferates the zeitgeist of society in general, right? Like we run the world with, with rap and then, you know, on and on and on. Right. Because these things started with the black American community. And I feel like as, as, as we have like, not a stranglehold, but while we have a hold on the gaze of people, I think it's our responsibility to expand that gaze, mm -hmm. right? And to expand what we talk about and to expand the ideas so that we are not pigeonholed into creators that kind of front the machine yeah, and are never part of the machine. It's true. You'll, you'll find, a, of course, a lot of creators that kind of like, you could see that they're overall aspect of how they view popular culture is one dimensional and mm -hmm. it was like okay well what are your other aspirations what are your other inspirations you know it's like mm -hmm. collectively we want to see from an uh, from a comic standpoint you know the 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 person that i've seen that can create a uh, shadow man for in image comics can also uh get together and write a an iron man comic if they wanted to like they they've always mm -hmm. had those type of aspirations or better yet, even outside of that realm, outside of the capes and cows, they can give you a crime noir drama if they wanted to, because that's something that they've always wanted to do. 
you know so mm-hmm. from from our standpoint from from a from a black american standpoint it's almost like i can do so much you know how much yeah. time i stood sitting indian style in front of a tv because i was told to and i just right. there for 5 hours flipping channels right. Like I'm right. so much. It's a variety of shit. And I could tell you stories about all of it if I wanted to. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. We we definitely do sometimes stick to only one type of thing, right? Like, you know, ultimately, like I want to do a, a cowboy heist movie or a cowboy heist script, right? Because you don't see that. I want to do Ocean's Eleven, you know what I mean, as a cowboy adventure. But we don't get that, right? What we'll get normally is we'll get a New Jack City. We'll get a Power. We'll get a Raising sure. Canaan. And those aren't bad. And I'm not saying that. But we get stuck on only that. And sometimes even as an audience, we like those kinds of things. But we don't just like them because it's about drugs. We like it because it's a story of survival. We like it because it's a story of overcoming. We like yeah, it because all these other... Right, right. All these other nuanced things. And it's like, well, we can apply all of those story elements to a completely different genre. And it'll be just as dope. Um, and I, again, I think it's kind of our responsibility to kind of break through that and break into that, right? But in a way that still leads us to having ownership of those ideas. I think that um, I saw a, a TikTok the other day and it didn't make me mad, but maybe it did. It was like, uh, it was a bunch of different clips of like like Japanese schools, not like primary schools, but like dance schools, yeah. teaching people how to crib walk, right? And it made me mad from the standpoint of like the dress style, right? Because this was like their promo video. But it was like, man, they had like, they had people dressing like essays. They had people yeah. dressing like gangsters. They had, yeah, all, they were again, that's like the nuance of not wearing dicky. Yeah, they didn't know the culture, right? Like <laughs> those guys who would dress like this way wouldn't do that. But these guys would, right? Like um, right. if you're from these places, we know the difference in that. And so when I talk about cultural exchange, it's one of those things that piece has been exchanged, right? Like that piece that they are using has been exchanged. They've taken the music, they've taken the dress, the moves there, right? But the cultural part of it is not significant necessarily or not significant enough for it to be noticed in another place. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we watch anime, again, we're gonna know Naruto, we're gonna know these things that happen, right? We have to, when we consume that, we have to understand all these little nuanced parts. And while I'm not saying that they're equal, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, you wouldn't see a black person doing geisha, right? Because no. it's culturally significant to them. Right. And people have lost that certain things that we do because it's become commercialized. Look, Fat Joe said it years ago, like, you know what I'm saying? Even what, what was he, uh, even B2K doing the Crip Walk, right? Like, yeah. because it's become commercialized mm-hmm. as opposed to part of the original culture that it was part right. of. And that's and that's usually like uh, I, I can't say it's the downfall of it, but it always regresses the culture of it because mm-hmm. I should mm-hmm. I, I remember a time where you know when hip hop was just getting started, all of a sudden it ended up in McDonald's commercials, and then right was, they were break dancing on the tables at the McDonald's and everything, and I'm like, okay, right. this is not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> right, right, right. Man, I see it sometimes with my my fiance. Man, we'll talk about it now, and like an older school song will come on. I'm like, they hated that song. Like it was, it was absolutely get this out of everywhere. Like, and so I mean, and that goes back generations, right? Uh, people talk about Motown now, like it was all great, but Motown was black. 
Mm-hmm. It, there's a reason Pat Boone has a career because he was singing Motown songs oh, yeah. in a different kind of way so that people could digest it. But now it's like, oh, everybody loved Motown. No, that's not that's not the case. Like uh-huh. everybody didn't own Motown. And that's how we lose things. Like we lose country. That's how we lose jazz. That's how we lose rock and roll. That's how we lose all these genres that we really created because it becomes socially popular. And it's look, this is how we lose R and B. Pop music didn't exist X amount of time ago. And True. when pop really pop was a category in award shows it was basically like hey this black r&b artist sold so much that they crossed over so now we're calling it pop it's just popular music whatever's popular or and then pop became its own genre yeah right and you know what i mean like you have nsync singing again and i like nsync don't get me wrong jc chazay got pipes i'll never say anything else right but are they doing sanitized r&b music yes which has now become pop yes which then turns into k-pop which is now keep K-pop Korean. Yeah, we don't want black K-pop. people singing K-pop. Wait, right. what? Yeah, because like, track this all back. Are, it's all R and B, bro. Yeah, people are thinking that K-pop came from NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. I was like, you might want to pull that back a little bit. <laughs> right, right, right. Even, even new, even uh, the kids on the block, they'll be they'll be like, hey, we got it from New Edition. Like, I don't know what y'all yeah, talking tell about. You. Like, exactly. Right, right. Like, we're right. from so we're both from Boston. I can't say that I I did this on my own. Right, right, right. And that so rarely happens. And again, that's how we lose control, not control, right? But we lose the cultural significance of certain things uh, when it happens. We lose the cultural significance of rap, right? Um, Rap has become so commercialized. Again, you'll see it happening everywhere. And it's like, oh, now everybody owns rap, which is not to say that people cannot function in that genre, not being a part of that culture. But the question of cultural appropriation comes when Jason Kelsey invented the fade. What? We've been having fade for 70, you know, years. As long as there have been barbers, we didn't have fades. But yeah, just because he because other people jumped on it now, right? Now right. it's they invented it. It's the same thing with the Kardashians. That's what makes it cultural appropriation because black Americans and black people again across the diaspora rarely get credit for the things that we have been doing. Right. And then somebody not of our hue does it. And it's like, oh, see what they invented? They didn't invent anything. Everything. So, um, again, for so for me, when I talk about cultural exchange, that part is important. I realize that America, and especially Black Americans, did not create Gundams, did not create giant mech battles. I know where it comes from, right? Uh, and so I'm going to give them all their due respect and all their props for it. But just like they took rap beats in order to do Samurai Shampoo, because otherwise, if we're being re- realistic, Samurai Shampoo, would, it wouldn't get the acclaim that it does. Right. It's, a, it was, it's an amazing show. Period. It's an amazing show. The score but it wouldn't get the acclaim the that it does without exactly. So we need to do the same thing. So we, in my opinion, right, and that's why I'm doing this the way I'm doing this. I need to be able to set the bar in terms of storytelling mechanics. And as we move into animation and get funded and on and on and on, mm-hmm. then I can set that musical score the way that it should be, right? From our cultural perspective, just like the story is called from our cultural perspective. Where, um, those things are important, and those things are I think that we need to kind of move forward in championing as opposed to just being like oh i want to get in here and i want to tell a superhero story that's like every other superhero story somebody got powers and from magic no man i want it to be grounded in and why we do it you know right. and 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 again taking ownership of that cultural exchange um and that cultural dynamic dope man yo now it was you got about like uh i'm gonna say what like two weeks left in the campaign yeah, yeah, we still got two weeks left, man. Yeah, yeah, we got all the time in the world. It won't end till next, technically next Saturday, 
because even though it's two weeks, the way Kickstarter yeah um, and, measures and time is weird. The biggest thing is I love how the community is reacting to it. The indie comic community uh, is yeah, reacting yeah. to it because like it seems like I remember I was just I, you know I I normally like I, when I check out a Kickstarter I just like I'll look at the comments and everything and then I'm like I'm looking mm-hmm. at like Michael Watson, Sean Mack. I'm like, well, goddamn. I'm like, all right. So yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, it's good to see that even outside of 2018 and how immersed we were in 2020, that the indie comics community is still a bonding element to everything. Yeah, you know, it, it. it's it's been, I was, there There was a part of me, obviously, that was hugely concerned, right? Oh, yeah. Racism uh, proliferates in these social media spaces, right? So I knew black people in Gundams, man, I may, I may have a, ooh, maybe you might be have a time on you. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. So one, I've been fortunate that that wasn't the case. I have not had that. Uh, I can say 99, legitimately 99% of air, all feedback I've got has been great. It's been glorious. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's one part of it. That's been awesome. But then I've also had these guys, like you said, Sean Mack, Mike Watson, um, uh, concept moon studios, uh, Subtoom, just, one three three R, Greg Anderson, Elise, like all these people that are always in conversations. And yeah, we're always I'm talking to these guys. I know a lot yeah. of them, like legitimately. We were down in San Diego, all of us hanging out. Like, um, but just to have that outward support is really great, right? And for people to validate, like, not hey man, this project is fire, right? So yeah, even when this project first started, uh, I had sent a text to 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 some people I, I was formerly really close with. We ain't we ain't so close no more, but I middle of the night. I got the idea of shit. So I made sure I wrote it down and I shot him a text in the morning. Like, Hey, go with me, bro. Air force ones, but they mech pilots. And I was, I was geeked about it. Like, come on now. Y'all, y'all know me. This should mm-hmm. be fire crickets. And so it made me really doubt. Like I was like, Oh, well, maybe it's not like a dope idea. Maybe it's stupid. Um, and I waited a little while and I hit a guy, Robert Jeffrey, who writes uh, for one, three, three, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, he does, again, he writes for a ton of people, but, um, so we're talking, man, and, and I was like, hey, man, I got an idea. I got to run past you. Like, tell me what you think. And I said the same thing to him, and he kind of chuckled. He was like, I like that. And then he, you know, we were, okay, cool. And then he hit me back, like, maybe 20 minutes later. He was like, hey, man, don't tell nobody about this. Yeah. And I was like, what? He was like, he was like, don't tell anybody about it until you're fully into production. You're ready to release it. He was like, if they ain't on your team. Don't discuss it with anybody. He was like, you might have something on your hands here. So keep it to yourself. You know what I mean? Do it like that. And um, that was one of the real reasons that I was even able to launch. And I'll continue to say that. I've said that damn near every podcast I've been on every time somebody asked me because I want to, like you said, it's a, that community can really be a bonding factor. Mm -hmm. And without Rob's words, I might not be here in this space at this moment. So yeah. I think that's really important. Um, and it, and then that is that bonding element of what we do and how one word could change um, everything. Yeah, because I remember there was like a, a clip circulating around Bernie Mac where he's basically talking mm-hmm. about, he's like, you don't want to tell your jokes in front of a bunch of comedians. You know, they'll sit mm-hmm. there and fucking chuckle and shit and be like, <laughs> and then they're really fucking jotting that shit down to reverberate whatever message that you're telling to the next audience and how they would describe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, it, it really is. It's one of those things where, uh, and I ran into this real recently where there's a, there's a piece of community where you want to help. And then like, how much do you do? Um, I have a certain piece of merch that uh, it'll remain nameless, right. Mm-hmm. That I had a, I got a lot of questions about a lot of questions about recently. 
uh, I also didn't get the sales from the people who were asking the questions. So what does that tell me? You want to know because you want to reproduce this later on. Now, that don't, I don't know if that means it's six months. I don't know if that means it's a year. I don't know if that means it's two years. But your interest is not in what I'm doing. Your interest is in how I produce what I'm doing so right. you can replicate that. Um, and that's one of those dicey things, right? You've got to know who to trust and how to trust and what you talk about and what what is giveaway. I don't personally so much worry about that only because my arrogance kicks in then, right? Because I'm going to be like, well, you could do the same thing I do, but you're not going to do it as well. Right. There are a couple people who have tried to quote unquote steal my art team. And by that, I mean, they saw my art team, they used the exact same people. And then they were like, hey, color it just like you did justice, <laughs> right? Like draw it just like you did justice. Um, I feel like that's not necessarily right, but it doesn't matter what they produce because it ain't justice, right? Yeah. Like you're never going to get what I got. Um, and so, uh, like I said, the arrogance, the ambition kind of comes out at that point. So that's a, a comfort to me because otherwise it can kind of crush you, right? If someone is doing all the things that you're doing and regurgitating what you're doing yeah, while not like at least shouting you out or something, some. You know, it, it it can get rough. It, it can feel rough. rough, and you can yeah. you can just fall into that. Um, and, bro, that's just not me. I'm you not gonna feel. fall into that. Like, I'm gonna do what I do. Yeah, that's basically like imposter syndrome. Like, you're feeling like, okay, I I've done a a great thing here, and I'm putting it out there to the world to see exactly what the reactions will be, and you're not necessarily seeing the reactions that you have or that you want. Yeah. Yeah. It can get rough, especially, I mean, look, this is like award season. You got all these things and you do get the, again, you get people who want to talk about, ah, these are the top 10 black indie, blah, blah, blah. Or, and if you're left off that list and you're like, man, shit, I know I'm selling. I know I'm writing. I know I'm publishing, sure. you know, at a high level. It, it, again, a lot of these things that we need in order to forward the entire group mm -hmm. can be sometimes hurtful to the individual. That's right. True. And how we do these things is very, very important. Um, so I try to conduct myself in a way to where I'm never under the gun. I'm never at the behest of anybody. Right. Um, and again, that's again, this this move into manga is 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 some of that, right? I want to be at the front of this pack. I got an idea, time to strike. Um, again, justice, and you know we talked about it before. People sometimes shy away because oh man, is it religious? Is it this? Is it that? At our last convention, justice, the trade was the biggest seller. That trade, we couldn't keep it on the table, bro. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it just takes people to see the full story in order for them to be like, oh, damn, I wanted that the mm -hmm. whole time. Uh, and so uh, I, I try to work with that mentality in mind of like, be the first to do the thing. Right. If you got the idea, go for it. Don't sit on it. Yeah. And if you do sit on it, you should be sitting on it in planning, not just, oh, I'll do it some other time. No, right. you got to be planning the steps so that when you have the availability, you're able to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, look, I appreciate you being with me doing this again and i know you got a couple weeks left so i can i'm already wishing you congratulations because you already hit your funding goal so i can only imagine appreciate how far this is get and you probably for the most part i'm looking at the the tiers that you put out there you're putting out elements out mm -hmm. there as far as for purchase rights toys animation shoes <laughs> you know what i'm saying you're putting yes. out <laughs> yeah you're right. actually putting out air force <laughs> ones um but i can see that this, this is going to be a, a real good campaign for you i I can see it being probably one of the biggest ones you ever had. So this is good. So to be fair, this is already this is. the biggest campaign yeah. we've had. Right. Yeah. 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 Two weeks with well, two weeks left to go. Right. Two weeks in 
this is the largest campaign we've ever had, uh, I, in my opinion, rightly so, and not just because I'm doing it. It's because of what it is, right? This campaign is not just a campaign, but it's a platform for what we're trying to build. We are trying to build merchandising. We are trying to build the infrastructure for action figures and all these other things. Yep. Um, and again, go opening up, American comics are a thing. They're always going to be a thing. You can open yourself up to other audiences. I could have named this Air Force Ones, and I could have said it's a, a, a mech American comic, right? A robot American comic. A robot American comic is not going to sell as well as a manga, mm -hmm. period. The art is not going to be as stylized. Good. That's in the eye of the beholder. Stylized as, as a manga. Um, so that is important to this. This is a, an entirely new kind of animal. Um, also, again, it being a volume is a little bit different. The page count is a little bit higher. There are just different things that I wanted to do with this. And like I said, I just want to expand how we tell stories, right? And again, if we're being cocky, arrogant, confident, ambitious, crazy, whatever we want to say, I wanted to make my stamp on something. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say, hey, in case y'all forgot, one, I never stopped making comics. Right. We've been successful every year, year upon year. We grow every year. And I want you guys to know, like, I'm not going anywhere, right? Like, the Wingless Comics started not out of tragedy, but it started out of not the best circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. I had to leave something in order to start something, um, which, again, has uh, been beneficial for both parties. So yeah. there's no hate or no love lost, right? Like, it was one of those things that needed to happen, which is great. But there were a number of people, not that company, right? But there were a number of people who who had estimated my demise yeah, in three months. Off. He's never going to be, he's never going to do. Um, and four years later, coming up on our fifth year anniversary next year, we're still here. And not only are we here, we're growing exponentially every time I wanted to be able to do that. So then I can go back and say, there's that little petty part of me that's like, see, I told y'all, man, never, you know, bet on yourself, right? You always got to bet on yourself. Yeah. Nobody else is going to bet on you. They're going to bet on you after you're successful. Bet on yourself while you're not. Um, and so this is me betting on myself and I've continued to do that. And I'm gonna double down on it and I'm gonna bet on my partners. I'm gonna bet on Brett and I'm gonna bet on Malachi and I'm gonna bet on Lawrence and I'm gonna bet on Jay, like all these guys, we're, I'm gonna bet on what we do because we're passionate. We love it. Uh, we study it. We live it. We breathe it. So all that other BS, um, it just ain't worth it. Or bro. Amazing having you back, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it every time, man. Like I said, best podcast out there. If y'all aren't subscribed. Well, one, you better be subscribed because why are you listening if you're not? This man um, has knowledge of the material, um, cares about the material, cares about these creators. Also, I need y'all to follow him and support him and subscribe so that he will put out this damn comic. I'm telling you guys, I've read the script. You don't know what you're missing. I do. I literally know what you're missing, right? Okay. Like if I was a different guy, a I would produce the art myself and send it to him to be like, just put this out. Um, he's got a really great idea and some really great stuff, man. He's a really great guy. So again, thank you for always having me, man. And thank you for the great conversation and the camaraderie and the brotherhood, bro. All all the same, man. Thank you. So for, for James Green, Mass Effects Boys, Brian J. Lambert, Wingless Comics, Air Force One, still live on Kickstarter right now. Go out there and get that shit. Go go get the biggest tier if you need to. All right. So for for us at the Facts Project, we are out.